on this episode of Resi Week, we talk about Disney possibly acquiring Netflix, what that means for you and installations. Also talking about whether or not manufacturers are doing enough to protect your business. All that and more next on Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 36, recorded Tuesday, October 11th, 2016. Vice President Pedigo. Resi Week is brought to you by our fine group of underwriters, companies like Access Network. Welcome to Resi Week. This is your weekly wrap up of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. Today is a very important show, like probably our most important show ever. Because we are being graced by the newly elected VP of Emerging Technologies for Cedia, Mr. The Right Honorable David Pedigo. How are you, sir? I am super. Thanks for asking. And I really appreciate the, uh, the praise that you are giving me. I'm just amazed that we were able to book you. We've obviously we, we got you on the schedule long before this, this anointing came down. Just, uh, just realize this is the last time. I know, I know. I could. On. Why do you, why do you think I, I'm just, I'm trying to bask in the glory for as long as possible? Uh, by the way, I actually, my feet don't touch the ground; they float. Well, we knew so. that. Yeah, we've seen that. We've known that for years, <laughs> many years. But, but now you get to do it with a crown. That's right. <laughs> so it's, it's just, it's wonderful. The, uh, the voice you just heard was my good buddy Todd Anthony Puma from the Source Home Theater. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks. Uh, thanks for joining us. And don't Listen, you feel honored to be I here? I do feel honored. I, you I should. Just, I'm lo- I'm gonna, at a loss for words. Can't you hear me? I, I can. The I'm VP giddy. is here. I'm it's giddy. Amazing, right? I know. It is Your amazing. Your heart is just exploding oh, with man. joy. I'm nervous. I'm just nervous. I, I don't even know what to do with myself right now. You just want to. You want to put on a good performance and be a. You know, look look like you're smart in front of the VP. I get it. But how am I? I can't. Uh, no it's one can. No one can compare. <laughs> but. If there was one person who could come close, it would be my other good friend, Uncle Richie, uh, Richard Fragosa from Fragosa Design. How are you, sir? Doing good. I am far too sober for this, obviously. I was going to say, so. yeah, you look fantastic. <laughs> you look like you just watched a big comeback baseball game. It was. It was. It was It was a long baseball game. And so uh, looking forward to another one tonight. My little West Coast greetings. Uh, Very go nice. Giants greetings. And uh, congratulations, <laughs> Dave. It's uh, well-deserved. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, go Cubs. <laughs> well, since we, since we started it, let, I'm let's calling keep... Ben. That's it. You're done. <laughs> You're the shortest reign ever for VP. That's right. <laughs> That's awesome. You've been uh, so... replaced by a Chia. A chia <laughs> That's amazing. A Chia pet with an Alexa on the side just for a little bit. Of... Yeah, that, that'd work. All right. So let's let's kick it off. Um and we'll, we'll follow the joke that we're alluding to. Uh, from Residential Systems, Cedia promoted our good friend uh, Pedigo to VP of Emerging Technologies. It's a really good article. Take a look at it. Uh, it's, you know, it's really highlighting the fact that you've been there for 12 years. You've always served in a technology role as the senior director and the senior director of learning. Uh, I'm noticing a trend with the senior part. Uh, and that you're now 
not only overlooking the technology council, but obviously you're now the VP. Was this something you knew was coming? Uh, I did know that it was coming. It's something that uh, uh, has been in the works for a little while. And so. you still hung out with lowly people like us. That's amazing. I, I did. I did. That's well, so kind of you. You're a man of the people. I, <laughs> Until he got promoted. Yeah, yeah, I know. And now he's never coming back. I, I was a man of the people. So, yeah, no, I knew it was coming. And uh, I'm really excited about it. For me, the, the big thing is, is that I get to take all my market research. So that'll be the, the big thing. And I'm really hoping that over the next couple of years that we can really position CDS market research to something that kind of is an industry leader that we can provide insights to the manufacturers and the um home technology professionals to gain a little bit of better understanding of the consumer behavior uh, and just the trends. A lot of times we have lots of opinions, but we don't have data to back it up. So the goal is to to get in here, get the data and uh, uh, get as much information to our members as we can. I love it. And if, if there's anyone who can do that well, it, it would be you. All, all jokes aside. Well, thank uh, you. I appreciate it. We're looking it. forward to big things. And if not, we will vote you out very quickly. Uh, yeah. I have an immunity <laughs> idol, so I at least have a little bit of time. Is that how that works? Yeah, it is. That's cool. Is. That's very cool. All right, gentlemen, moving on to uh, a really good, a close friend of, I think, all of us. Um, Heather, uh, and I can never say her name, so I call her Heather S. Uh, but she wrote a very, very good blog uh, over, again, on residential systems about manufacturers potentially putting us out of business. Uh, go over, t take a quick read through this, through this article. This is something that hits home for me, maybe not daily, but definitely pretty much every week. What she, what she's covering in this is she's talking about a, a client that came in, found something that they researched online, wanted to buy it from her, she wanted to support, you know, their local dealer. And when she goes to, to to purchase that and quote it for the client, she finds that the the price to her from her either uh, rep or distributor is higher than the online retail price directly from the manufacturer. And then has the conversation with the rep about how the rep is so Im invested in the channel and then, yeah, still isn't necessarily doing a whole lot about making that product available at a at a rate where you know integrators such as us can actually supply that product and and make even a little bit of money uh is this something that is you know i i know we we see it but is this something todd that that you guys see it, like is is this just heather or is this something that everybody's seen across the board See, I think Heather's feeling it in a different way, being a retailer. Uh, you know, I'm a CI. I don't. I have office spaces, not retail spaces. Uh, so she's going to have more, uh, uh, you know, customers coming in looking for the products like Sony or bulbs or DIY products, we'll say in a sense. You know, for myself, I'm going in and I'm pretty much handling the job from beginning to end, offering products that I know are protected. Uh, again, Amazon, you know, we'll get questions with TVs. Hey, I could get this television on Amazon for this price. And we'll inform a customer. That's fine. Go online and get it for that price. Um, and as well as other units. Um, but we aligned ourselves with companies that are price protected, that we won't have that situation moving forward. And I believe that's the key is to partner with the right people and the right companies that do care about this industry, have been in this industry for a long time. And, you know, this is probably a little harsh saying, but if a company is going DIY, then you understand that they're they're 
but their focus is on the but, end user. Hold on, hold on, though. Mm -hmm. But it's not just DIY. Mm -hmm. I, I'm currently working on a spec right now okay. for our commercial division where we're selling some product that is by no means DIY. And my manufacturer cost is significantly higher than retail, street retail, not MSRP, but street retail. Richard, you've been in this for a for a you know a long time. You, you've been around. Like Todd saying with you know aligning yourself with with companies that are trying to protect the the channel and trying to protect dealers, we know that that the story starts out that way a lot of times. But even with some of the most respected companies, it doesn't end that way. What's a dealer to do? What's an integrator to do? Well, I mean, this isn't a Cedia channel only problem. I mean, this is just this is just how technology has changed everything. Amazon, again, Amazon was at Cedia. Yeah. Um, so this is this is not a new problem. Um, it's just a problem that's affecting us now. Um, how many bookstores are out, are there now? How many brick and mortar shops are there out now? Um, the the reality is is that the consumers in general don't that was a great article i was reading the other day it was about consumers don't like talking to people if they yeah. can find a way to purchase something without any form of human interaction and get what they want generally they're going to go that route because of the feeling everybody's always had about the salesperson and coming in and being sold on a product and everything else and so i think that it's a complaint because it affects the way that we used to do business um 25 years ago um, you know, and there was a whole lot of different companies out there and the margins were much larger and you could make your money as just a traditional AV company, a stereo store or, you know, a TV shop or any of those because the margins could protect you enough pre-internet. That's not how technology works anymore. Um, and so I think that what it requires is embracing the, is embracing that change and saying, you know what, those things are going to get chopped. Your choices are going to become limited. Um, obviously, um, what needs to be focused on, and I think Dave and, and I'll, I'll promote CDO right now, the reason why we have CDO and the reason why we have um, these regional, uh, the regional meetings, we have the training, um, you know, we have all of the webinars, all of these things is that it, it is a changing and a rapidly changing market. And it, it is dependent upon the integrators um, whether you have a showroom location, whether you're, you know, Todd, like, like Todd, where, um, you know, when I was an integrator, same thing, I, I had a showroom, but we didn't have a retail front. Um, the, the, the focus needs to be on what makes you different, what makes you special. I have been, I'm, I'm like that guy, um, you know, banging my shoe on the table going, you need to set yourself up as a technology advisor. You cannot run your business based on parts. If all you are focusing your business is selling parts, you will not be around for long because the parts will become more available. They'll be simpler for people to use and acquire. Um, and you need to be able to come in as a, as a technology advisor to say, I'm here to provide the service to get you from point A to point B. There is a fee for that. Um, and and a big part of it is, is, is the relationship. So. You know, uh, it's tough. It's there's no way around. It. It's tough, and and dealers are getting squeezed over this. So yeah, absolutely. Partner with um, companies that work with you, um, and at the same time, understand that's going to be part of your business model. So um, here, here's my question to that though. Obviously, you know, Cedia and most you know 
pro AV, commercial AV, it doesn't matter what channel you're in, they've been promoting this for a long time, going towards uh, you know, a service-based model, right? And a, a knowledge-based model, right? So you're not just selling that black box. But we still need a lot of boxes. We still need a lot of parts and pieces. What's an integrator to do when they're essentially losing money on the parts and pieces? It's not uncommon for, you know, if you hire a plumber to come in, for them to go to Home Depot or the plumbing supply place or whatever they buy their ABS pipes and charge you 30% on top of that retail price for the parts that they're using. What's an integrator to do? What is, you know, what is... You, you have to draw your line in the sand. And really what, right. you want to upset, what, what you do is draw that line in the sand. It's, it's how your service works, how your warranty works, the products that you, that you support. Um, the reality is, and, and again, I've, I've had this conversation. Again, I don't sell products anymore, but I spend a lot of time with the end, the end user or the client explaining why the integrator needs to be paid a premium for their service. And the reason is real simple. Let's say you get part XYZ off of the internet. That's fantastic. You are, you are, you are gambling on that thing working. <laughs> You're gambling <laughs> on it. What you are using an integrator for is the assurance that it works and facilitating if there is a problem, it's like insurance, you know, you, I, that's kind of the way that I've, I've, I've kept coming through. You don't want to have to constantly, you know, you don't want to change your own oil. So, mm -hmm. you know, you can go, you can go to the car store and get oil and try to put it in. But why focus on that when you can, if the end result is you just want to watch TV, you just want to listen to music, you just want your shades to go up or down. Yeah, you could do it, but should you do it? And then at that point is the relationship of the integrator providing those services because it's not for when the system works. It's making sure that the integrator is bridging the gap when the system doesn't work or if something fails. We just had something happen today. Todd and I were working on a project. 11-year-old amplifier, just out of the blue, it's not working. It was purely coincidental, but, you know, electronics will fail. And so that has to become the question, and that has to become – the approach, which is, uh, again, you know, it, it's, it's a matter of being taken care of. If you feel that you can afford to be optimistic, great. By the way, initial right here, this shows that if any of these devices go or if we're returning it, here's our service charge. You know, here are all the things to go through. And you have to be tougher with your clients. And you have to be willing to say no. And that's the hard part for a lot of young integrators is that they don't know when to say no sometimes. Yeah. And that's how you lose money. A lot of the chances are is with those clients, like say Heather was uh, being approached with, it's a calculated risk, right? Because you're looking at, you're not going to make money on this time, right? On this project or whatever it may be that's walking into your door, but then you're going to have a customer for life. You know, that's the question. That's what you're weighing out. All right. At this point, you know, I sold the product. You know, I didn't realize it was in that much margin in it. You know, with loss on this one, but at least we have a customer now that we haven't had before that's going to come back based on our service. Now, prior to that, I would have did my research before selling the product, but you don't always have that opportunity to do so. Um, so, it, you know, the best thing to do is research, 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 research before you sell. Well, no. it, it, here's the my kind of. I wouldn't say counter argument to it. What I would say is that over the last five years, six years, maybe even longer, we keep hearing the term disintermediation and um, uh, pro or, you know, uh, margin erosion and those kind of things. And if you actually look at the numbers, so we've done a, a relatively thorough study each of the last six years or so on size and scope of the industry. And over the last few years, so from 20. Uh, 13 to 2014, uh, we saw about a 60% increase in annual revenues. We saw another 
increase. Uh, so we're almost double the revenue that we were, say, 2011. And we're also seeing an increase in profitability. So our, at least from the CDA side of things, we've seen profitability increase uh, steadily each of the last couple of years, 2010, 2011. Net profit on these jobs was around 4%. And now we're, we're up around 8% where we really want to get it to about 10%, but we're, we're getting there. Uh, my point is, is that uh, some products you're going to, you're going to lose money on, or you're not going to have the margin there, but the uh, home tech professionals have seemed to have been able to make money in different areas. The other thing is, is that the percentage of revenue from equipment has slowly and incrementally, but crept back up. It was say 50% of the revenue that came from a job in 2011 was from hardware and 50% was from design services, installation, maintenance, et cetera. And now it's about, let's say 56, 57%. So uh, while some products you're going to see a decrease, there are other products that are also coming back. Uh, uh, you know, Dolby Atmos receivers, new amplifiers, uh, uh, OLED panels, et cetera, some margin is going back into those. So I think it's always going to be a give and take. But when you look at it as a single event, sure, we're seeing products that are going down in price. But when you look at it as the overall aggregate, we're actually doing pretty well. Now, Dave, is it something that Cedia can either A, have a conversation, or is it something that Cedia even considers having a conversation with some of these manufacturers uh, I'll, I'll cut you off right now. <laughs> that is against the law for us to do that. It okay. violates the Sherman antitrust uh, laws. So it takes we actually fun right out of it. We just had an antitrust professional. You Americans and your laws. So, so the answer is no. Aren't you the VP? Can't you can't you change something? Come on. Yes, I am not a VP. <laughs> I am the VP. Uh, Dave brings up a good point, um, and, and I think there's some sub subtext to what Dave was saying. And that traditionally, a lot of the CI integrators, their big focus was video, the big ticket items. Mm -hmm. And and so I, I found in dealing with a lot of integrators where, um, you know, where, where, where they've had problems adjusting is that the items that were big ticket items, high profit items, and a big chunk of profit. I mean, if you sold the projector 20 years ago, that was a big hunk of cash with one single skew, right? There's still some holding on, but you know, I see this again. I'm going to bring this back in and, and, and say it. There's a reason why we have lighting training. There's a reason why we have shade training. There's a reason why we have recurring revenue. There's a reason why we have all of these other industries that we're partnering with because the the home tech professional needs to expand beyond AV, and that's been the tough part. Is that the, the 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 fun the juice the sizzle everything you know that that's where that's where a whole lot of the fun in the rock and roll this is an AV I mean we're still we our, our heart is an AV but our business can't be an AV anymore it, and that's the problem and you, more. you mentioned uh, shading I I still don't get why more of our our uh, folks don't do shading because I think <clears throat> shading represents about 2% of the annual gross revenue for our members, yet shading is an incredibly profitable uh, part mm -hmm. of your lineup if you actually do it. And I think it's just people don't have the confidence to sell shading as their package, but well, lots of money in shading. Well, the, let me let me uh, 
talk about that because this has been a, a, a topic for my company for many months. Uh, shading is a very personal piece of uh, product. Oh, hold on a second. I just came out. Um, shading is a very personal product and <coughs> working with the customer, that is a, a something that if you don't do it right, they're going to have your head for it. It's also more towards the woman in the home that's going to be uh, making this decision. Now, there is more to just putting up a shade like there was with TVs. You could mount the TV on the wall, simple, done. But you have to have measurements. You have to have, you know, what color fabrics. You're going to be putting and investing more time into getting those shades up in the home. There's also a lot of questions that need to be asked prior. All right, are they going to need a fascia? Are they going to go with drapes? Are they going to have two shades, one for transparent, one for blackout, for night, time of day, whatever it may be. And integrators are afraid of that because it is extremely personal and a lot of integrators don't know how to build relationships with the customers. A lot of the integrators don't want to build a relationship after the install. They want to just get in, get out and get paid. I'm done. And they're ghost. So, so, is so this oh. is where I'd stop you though, because if you look at some of the big national now shading companies, budget mm -hmm. blind, stuff like that, a lot of those. So, you know, you mentioned the personality side of it and then you mentioned essentially the, the, complexity of designing a, a shading system mm -hmm. full disclosure i am a shade dealer we sell a lot of shades same here but it's something that yes it's complicated but it's not that complicated and when you look at the dollars and cents of it it, it you know and again we've promoted companies becoming shade and, and lighting certified for a long time there's a lot of value there you can generate a lot of income and when you look at it and just go oh it's complicated it's not, it, it's just a different type of complication than your distributed AV system or whatever else. It's just, it's another avenue and where, where people can, can make some money. See, I believe you should have somebody on staff that just dedicates themselves to that area. That's how big of an opportunity I believe it is. Completely. And also, you know, for our integrators to come in and just take measurements, absolutely. That's simple enough to do. But the shading professional should be the one working with them on a you know daily basis. Like I said, it's a very personal part of the process that say myself, we're not a large company. I can't I don't have the opportunities to constantly be in front of that customer, you know, on uh, for shading and, you know, lighting control and, you know, AV. I have to keep on moving to the next job, to the next job and, you know, coming back to the process. So I need to align myself with the right people. You know, I hi hired a shading professional to come in because it is that much of an opportunity. And full disclosure, lighting and shading is where I make the majority of my money. You know, where we don't have to do anything. We sell it, we install it, and it's done. But I'm confident in the people that we're working with. And if you, some integrator isn't in selling it or isn't offering, I advise to align yourself with somebody in the area. You know, do your interviews, do your due diligence, and get those guys uh, that you can trust that are going to be just like you in your business practices because shading is not something that you should just pass on. And join an association that shows you how to do that. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right, gentlemen, moving on. Uh, this comes to us from Fortune. This is something that I, I picked up the other day. Uh, it's not directly tech-related, but it kind of is. Uh, it's an article on why a Disney acquisition of Netflix makes sense. Uh, with with some rumors going around uh, that Disney might be interested in buying Netflix, their shares, Netflix that is, uh, their shares jumped by 6% this past Monday. Uh, this is something that brings an interesting question because Netflix has become something that is 
included pretty much on just about any job, even though we as integrators don't necessarily see value from it uh, directly. Everybody wants Netflix. Everybody wants to be able to essentially use that service inside. This is something that would obviously add, not that Netflix needs the help, but would add a massive cash influx uh, into Netflix and uh, would give it a huge absolutely huge um, catalog of, of movies and shows and access to things as Netflix continues to build its brand. Is this something that, for one, is this something that integrators should be paying attention to? Not so much the, the potential acquisition, but the media industry in general. Um, and two, do we care? Uh, I have some opinions on that. First of all, um, I'd like to hear them, Mr. Vice President. <laughs> okay, well, I'll give you a yes. Uh, <laughs> no. Um, Can I get so, some hand hand signals too? Come yes. On, no, no, okay. I didn't say that. I said just, you know. Do you have any breathing? Here we go. China. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, China. Um, so here we go. It, it, first of all, one of the things is with. Um, with the cash influx that would go to Netflix, I think that that money would almost completely go towards HBO, or I mean, not HBO, towards um, Netflix creating original content like the HBO models do. Mm -hmm. uh, content is what drives things, uh, to be honest with you. Yeah, it, making Netflix be almost a vertical where they have the OTT services and uh, also have the ability to have access to Disney Studios, I think makes a lot of sense. Does it really matter to the integrator? What I think matters to the integrator more than anything else is the fact that this is just another avenue in our constant march towards getting rid or getting away from their traditional television uh, models for consumption going more towards these um, IP-enabled streaming services. You know, at this point, you know, for the last five years or so, Netflix has uh, basically accounted for one-third of all U.S. internet traffic during prime hours, and I think it'll only get uh, stronger. The one thing I'd say that where we really want to pay attention to, and I'm actually starting to hear some people push back, is in the data caps that are coming from, say, uh, Comcast as an example, where we're only going to give you 300 gigabits per, per month or gigabytes per month. And so um, there's going to be a give and take. So no, I don't think our, our integrators had to pay attention too much to who owns Disney or who owns Netflix or so on and so forth, but they do have to pay attention to what are the ramifications of us moving towards an almost a completely IP enabled uh, video system and what it means to how we transport data uh to the devices and uh, what it means for the for the IP services we have in the home. Well, and I think that that kind of solidifies the point is it's not so much that we need to follow the stock price of Netflix, but you're taking a company like Netflix who is already arguably a bit of a behemoth and giving it the power of Disney behind it, which makes it just even bigger, which should affect all of our designs, just as you mentioned. Todd, is this something that piques your interest at all? I, to be honest, it doesn't. Um, but, well, you know, fine. it's always good to be aware of uh, what's going on and to have answers when the customers ask them. 
Here's one question, though. Does Disney allow Netflix to produce Orange is the New Black or another show that's that's quite as raunchy if they're trying to keep their family persona? So, you know. That's a very good question. Um, but Orange is the New Cedia. Yeah. <laughs> Bronze. <laughs> that's fantastic. Richard, any comments? I, again, for me, it's, it's always an opportunity question, which is, okay, great. Say, simply, it, the reason why you keep up with the streaming services and how the streaming landscape is going is because ultimately, if you're doing your job right, you're going to be asking the questions and providing the infrastructure to your client to say, great, you now have 15 streaming devices in the house. Netflix is going to start pushing out even more 4K content than you've ever seen before. You know, this is your favorite show. Um, you know, or HBO is pushing something out and, you know, you've got to have the new Game of Thrones. I mean, again, Music is the soundtrack of your life, you know, your entertainment, all of these things, the visceral part of, you know, and this kind of goes back to Heather's portion, which is if you're not selling the visceral part of the experience, which is great, your favorite stuff is now going to be on there. You can stream it. You have it instantly accessible to you. Let's find the, the way to get this to you in the best possible quality. Let's give you that experience, that visceral experience. And in order to get that, not only do you need the video backbound, you need the audio backbound backbone but you also need the network backbone you know what happens if you want to watch this you know whatever show that just came out and you want to binge watch it and your three kids are over there streaming youtube videos like mine are you know watching minecraft and all of a sudden your bandwidth just completely tanks that is an actual problem and that is a solution and a story that gets told to say and this is why we're here yep so you know again that's that's how i i, I constantly keep coming back to you're going to be focusing on mobile Mobile is going to be a big part of this. Start finding and start creating your stories to tell. And those stories are what sell. I just want to hug you right now. You know that? <laughs> I just, I'm not emotional. I want to just hug Rich. He always says the right things. I just don't know even where to go from there. I, I, Other than to thank you all for being here. West Coast vibe, baby. That's the West Coast <laughs> Share the love. All right, gentlemen. Uh, again, thank you for for joining us, uh, Richard. Where can people find you? Uh, you can find me here on various shows with AV Nation. We just recorded a State of Control yesterday, so that'll be coming out soon. Very interesting show about uh, custom pro custom control programming. Um, also here on Resi Week, I've uh, got CE Pro uh, an appearance coming, I believe. And uh, you can also find me on the internet fragosadesign.com or more that the better way to find me is on Twitter at R Fragosa. Beautiful. Todd, thanks for being here, bud. No problem, man. Where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Todd Anthony Puma or at the sourcehometheater.com. Very good. And of course, last but certainly not least in the most elevated, you know, last pitch of the day, Mr. Vice President. Oh, let me get thank you. Higher yeah, posture yourself properly. Uh, We're yes. not worried. With some, with some royal... <laughs> You can find me on Twitter at Dave Pettigo. Do people or need to be can... certified to to follow you now? Uh, you don't, but you have I have to pass a background check. You're a horrible human being if you are not certified. You have to pay so. nine ninety nine a month to uh... <laughs> to receive his tweet. <laughs> yes, that's right. Uh, or you that's, can go that's to twenty thousand. You can go to cedia.org and find me there as well. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for gracing us with your presence. We greatly appreciate it. We love you. <laughs> love you too guys thanks all right well thank you so much again uh everybody for 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 joining and and watching the show you can find me if you are so inclined 
at Matt D. Scott on Twitter and pretty much every other social platform. But more importantly, please stop by avnation.tv. You'll find this show as well as a wide variety of other shows like State of Control, which Rich just mentioned, uh, that cover all the verticals that we cover. Uh, when you do stop by our website, please make sure you check out our underwriters. They support us, and we would appreciate it if you uh, support them and uh, drop them a line and thank them for their support. Uh, that is pretty much all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week. Okay.